turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. We're back to the conversation tonight. Uh, we've got John and Deborah Anderson in studio. John, of course, is the president and CEO of the Bay Area Rescue Mission, and Deborah is the vice president of community relations on behalf of the Bay Area Rescue Mission. But as John mentioned, we're not here necessarily talking about the needs of the homeless, although in the end, the real need of anyone is that life-changing encounter with Jesus Christ. Of course. Uh, Deborah has been gracious in sharing her story of coming to the knowledge of of Jesus as Messiah, uh, really the fulfillment now, the coming together. And this, again, as we mentioned from the very get-go, Deborah, was not an abandoning of your Jewish roots by any stretch of the imagination, but rather kind of the the coming together, the completion, the fulfillment of, wasn't it? Right. I finally had the chance to embrace the faith I so desperately wanted. I guess the next real burning question, as you alluded to, Deborah, before the break, was this sense of um, uh, now looking to find some sense of purpose, in life, where do I where do I go with all of this? And uh, somebody had recommended that they were looking for some help down in an outfit called the Bay Area Rescue Mission. Pick up the story there, if you would. Craig, I spent some time volunteering in places that I would previously have been horrified to participate. I went to a convalescent center that was one of the poorest in the area where people really weren't even in their right minds. But I went in with a church service and a group just to watch and to play my music and to be part of it. And I saw when Jesus was there and his name was lifted up and we were worshiping and sharing the word, there was a a sense of joy and light and peace. I volunteered at the Bay Area Rescue Mission where people were poor and homeless and had nothing left. And yet I saw the word of God lifted up, music played, him, Christ worshipped. And I, again, I said, oh, my goodness, in the worst places that I can find to be where Christ is lifted up, I can see light. I said, I've got to be part of this. So when I heard there was an opening at the Bay Area Rescue Mission, I jumped on it and I applied for a position. Now, when you had a chance to go in and uh, meet with the person who was handling the interviews, tell us a bit about that experience. I said, I heard you have an opening at the rescue mission. What do I need to do to apply for that? They said, well, there's a new guy here from San Diego Rescue Mission. His name's John Anderson, and you'll have to go see him. And they gave me his number, and I called him. And and, and John, let me have you pick up the story there. She came in for an interview. What well, Deborah, Deborah came in for an interview. Now, uh, as Deborah shared her story, she had been married, divorced for a number of years, and uh, 1989, came to faith in Yeshua, uh, Jesus, Messiah. And uh, so she had been living for the Lord for several years now. I had been married, divorced, single for 13 years at the point that I actually came up to the Bay Area, it's Bay Area Rescue Mission. And I had not dated anyone for even 13 years. So Deborah came, applied for the job, and of course, the other side of the story is that my family's also Jewish, uh, not quite as ingrained as Deborah's family, uh, her life, 
but uh, she came and applied for the job, and the moment that I saw her, I knew that God had brought her into my life. So I did what any, uh, you know, confirmed bachelor would try to do. Uh, I, I tried my best to hire her, thinking that, you know, if we hire Deborah, uh, Deborah Hirsch, then I'll be off the hook. It'd be inappropriate for me to date her, let alone marry her, and life would be good, and she would be involved in a wonderful Christian ministry, helping the homeless, hurting, needy at the Bay Area Rescue Mission. So we went through the interview process. It was one of the stranger interviews I've ever conducted, uh, and Deborah agrees with that. As I shared my testimony on how God had saved and rescued me at the San Diego Rescue Mission and totally changed my life, uh, I wanted to determine if she really had a heart for helping the homeless, the hurting, the needy, because I didn't want to hire somebody that, that didn't, and yet still struggling with this thought in the back of my mind, God has brought Deborah Hirsch into my life. And so trying our best to hire her, my predecessor was not willing to pay her enough, so he didn't really offer her a job that uh, worked out. So we got married instead. (laughs) (laughs) We call ours an arranged marriage because there was the God at the door knocking at my heart saying, if you'll come in, I'll dine with you. And uh, he is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one can get to the Father, uh, the Elohim, without him. Amazingly, God had some big plans in store for you. Uh, While you initially went to the Bay Area Rescue Mission looking for a job, you ended up finding a husband. (laughs) I don't want John to steal any of the the thunder, but kind of fill us in on that side of the story, if you would. Well, I was, for the first time, happy and fulfilled as a as a human being, as a person. I'd found my God. I found out that he's really alive, that he loves us and he cares for us and his word is alive and I'm devouring it. My little boys and I are active in church and I kind of didn't want anybody to mess with this recipe. Burning on my heart was the idea of reaching out to my family. But since they weren't listening to the story that I wanted to say so desperately, I couldn't help but give up the attractiveness of saying it to people who would listen. So thinking of saying that in an environment like the rescue mission, where there was so much light, even in desperate times Mm -hmm. for folks, um, was so attractive to me. So I applied for the job. I I met John and uh, wanting to reach out to my family. I was happy to be single so they could see that this faith of mine was not a fad. It wasn't going to pass away and that they would be invited in to know more about Messiah and that they would see him working in my life and be attracted to him. Um, When I met John, I really was looking for a job. I said to the Lord, if I ever were going to remarry again, I would have to marry a Jewish believer because I didn't want to lose my family's belief in what I was doing. And uh, having put that aside, I said, good, I'll I'll be single. How many Jewish believers are there running around that are looking to remarry? Um, And so going to the rescue mission was a a great um, honor. are applying for this application and being interviewed by John. He even shared his hope and future for the mission to be uh, renovated and grow in its uh, care for the homeless, all Christ-centered, and to offer more than, than even they were currently doing. And so 
Bring us up to speed. How how suddenly did this go from I'd like to have a job here to be involved in ministry to the I do's? <laughs> a funny thing should happen along the way. Well, um, here I get to know John, and I I am compelled by his his testimony, and I wanted to be sure he knew that I was in this for a job only, and I wasn't husband shopping. And I thought I would share with him my testimony in a subsequent interview. And I said, you know, let me tell you something. I'm on my way to telling him that I'm not dating and I'm not shopping. And I say, I'm a Jewish believer. And John says, huh, that's funny. I'm a Jewish believer, too. And I said immediately to the Lord, Father, what's going on Mm -hmm. here? It was like the joke was on us. The God, the God was putting us together, um, and everything that I had prayed about in terms of character and integrity and the fiber of a man um, that I could partner with uh, was embodied in this wonderful man that I had just met. Um, you know, we we got to know each other a little bit, but uh, we both recognized that this was the Lord's hand on our lives. And um, John and I married. He adopted my two little boys, who were just on the cusp of becoming young men. There was a very s- small window of time for him to step into the fatherly type role. Uh, those boys of seven and nine today are thirty and twenty-eight, and uh, one is a daddy himself, married with beautiful beautiful woman and the other uh, married and uh, he's going to have twins he and his wife in uh, lord willing just a few months and uh, walking with the lord and we're so grateful because our ministry at the rescue mission is um, reaching so many not ours but the lord's ministry the partnership he's allowing us to participate has reached tens of thousands of men women and children uh, the almost 18 years that we've been there and um and our reach, our outreach to our family has never faded. Uh, our love for them, our praying for them, our telling them about our faith has never diminished. Uh, I have as a theme in my heart that um, I pray will be used, you know, to memorialize me, um, a song that I never would have been able to have, Blessed Assurance, Jesus is Mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of God, born of his spirit, washed in his blood. And this is my story. This is my song. I'm allowed to have him praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story. This is my song. I've apprehended him because he's apprehended me, praising my Savior all the day long. That's our heart's desire for everyone we meet. I'm so thankful for the opportunity to share this story that friends out there, if you know Jewish people, my goodness, if you know anybody, but in particular, if you know Jewish people, you're just a heartbeat away from sharing with them the hope to which Christ can call them home to himself. They don't know because their eyes are closed, their ears are stopped, and um, and they're not allowed to know. And they, they do the, I can't see that, I can't have it. And you have the good news right there in your heart to tell them, Oh, may I tell you what I know you about what I know about your God? It might just bless you today yeah. and why I love your God so much. They have been, as you mentioned off the air, reading up to Isaiah fifty two and then skipping to Isaiah fifty four. And you can be the one who who fills in the gap, so to speak. We're gonna take a brief time out. 
maybe for you, you're in that position of of having that burning question on your own heart, and you want to know, where do I find the answer? We're going to share that with you. We come back with some closing thoughts with John and Deborah Anderson here on this edition of Lifeline. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back to the program. Here we are. We find ourselves in Romans chapter 4. For all have sinned and have come short of the glory of God. But God commanded his love toward us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And then one of my favorite passages, we take us into a John chapter 3. Verily I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. But then in John chapter 14, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but through me. And then once again, back in the book of Romans and moving into Romans chapter 10, another one of these wonderful verses that sheds light. For if you shall confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and shall <clears throat> pardon me, believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Because we see, of course, in Second Corinthians, that all that died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which he died for them, and rose again. And finally, taking us to Revelation chapter 3, For behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. Those passages from some of those select verses really kind of brings together maybe an answer that you've been seeking, that burning question that you've had on your own heart as Deborah talked about her burning question, and then finally seeing the fulfillment of the promises of Isaiah in the personhood of Jesus Christ. And Deborah, as our time today uh, wanes, um, we would be amiss if we didn't say to many listening right now who are at that place where you were all those years ago uh, with that burning question, seeking an answer. Um, share a word, if you would, or two. Uh, in terms of the answer that you have found in Promises of Messiah. I would just say to them this, Craig. Listener, if you're like I was, and I'm assuming those of you who don't know Jesus Christ as Lord are very much like I was, there's a desperation in your heart. There's a longing for some meaning and fulfillment. There's a recognition in you, if you're honest about that desperation, that you have an eternal purpose that you can't even begin to figure out. And you're asking yourself this, what do I have to do with God and what has he to do with me? There is an answer. It's found in the one and only son of our father in heaven, the Lord Jesus Christ, who came fully God and fully man to this earth, born without sin and was able then to take the penalty of our sin to the cross with him, Craig, where he sacrificed willingly his life, despising the shame and the scorn, and was punished for our transgressions. He came seeking us. 
as you said so aptly to those who call on the name of the Lord, they will be saved. We cannot save ourselves. We're only due God's punishment because we are all sinners. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, it says in Romans. And the only way we could be atoned for, our debt could be paid, was on our behalf by the sinless Son of God. The good news, Craig, after he was buried three days later, he rose again. And he lives to intercede for us. He's preparing a place for those who put their trust in him and believe in him. But it's the it, even though it's the free gift of God, you must acclaim, you must claim it. You must take this gift and ask him for forgiveness and salvation in his name. Don Anderson, in the moment that remains, would you pray and lead everyone listening right now that would say, you know, I I, I, I hear what God is saying. Uh, these passages of scripture. They're catching my attention, that burning question, this thing that I've been longing for, this answer that I've been seeking my whole life. Lead everyone listening, John, that that would like to begin on this journey of acceptance of, of Jesus as Messiah. Lead them in a word of prayer, would you please? Sure. Dear God, I come to you in great need today. I need the Savior. Lord Jesus Please forgive me of my sin. Cleanse me. Make me a new person. Jesus, I accept that you are Messiah, that you are Savior, that you are the Son of God. Come to take away my sins and create within me a new heart and give me a new relationship with you, with the Heavenly Father, through the power of the Holy Spirit. I claim that relationship with the triunal God, the God in three persons. Thank you for forgiving me of my sin. Thank you for reestablishing in my heart, in my life, in my very being, the relationship that I've been looking for with God, with my Heavenly Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Now the Bible would say, believe in your heart, repent, and then confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. I want you to pick up the phone and call somebody and say, you know, I believe that Jesus is my Lord and Savior. I have just accepted his substitutionary work on the cross on my behalf. And then if you're looking for a church home, you want to dive deeper into the answers of uh, the claims of Christ and who he is, concealed in the Old Testament, revealed in the New, I want to urge you to get involved in a good, solid, Bible-believing church. You say, Craig, I don't know where to begin. Where do I start? Go to the KFAX website. You'll find a Bay Area church directory there where a Bible-believing, Bible-teaching church is located next to you. And then go out and confess that Jesus is Lord and Savior. Um, I want to remind listeners, if you'd like to get a copy of Deborah's testimony, it'll be available on the KFAX Lifeline podcast. Just go to kfax.com, and uh, in about an hour time, that'll be available up there. You'll see the Lifeline page. Just click on that, and it'll take you right to the podcast for today's date. I want to thank uh, John and Deborah Anderson for joining us tonight in studio. Deborah, God bless you for sharing from your heart this amazing thing and the work that God has done in your life. It's been an honor, Craig. May you, may the Lord bless you and keep you, and um, may He get all the glory. Amen. John Anderson, thanks again so much for coming in. Always a pleasure to be here. Just don't keep the faith, but get on out there and share it. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. When you think of it, 
So much of life has become temporary. There are those of us with a little bit of gray around the temples, old enough to remember the fact that, well, today, no longer do you collect gold watches after, say, 25 or 30 years of service to one company. We no longer raise families and retire in the same home where we spend ultimately 50 or more years in. And our marriages, well, they no longer make it to what was once a typical golden anniversary. Many of these challenges in the way life has changed, particularly related to marriage, goes down to one core issue that is becoming increasingly more challenging under the changes in society today to establish and maintain solid marriage relationships. But before we completely give up hope, there are some important key steps that you can today implement in your married life to change things around in a most dynamic and God-honoring fashion. Joining me now is Dr. Greg Smalley, Executive Director of Marriage and Family Formation at Focus on the Family. And Dr. Smalley, great to have you on the program. Hey, Craig. Thank you so much for having me today. Well, isn't it amazing how so much of life in just, you know, maybe a generation or two has changed so dramatically. Remember Dad working for the same company for 30-something years. They still live in the same house that I was raised in when I was a kid. And today, all of this has changed. We don't keep our jobs as long, we don't live in the same house as long, and sadly, we don't stay in marriages as long either. Yeah. It, it's true. And I tell you what, we, you know, way back in the 70s through the, the I, I think the, one of the biggest things is the whole no-fault divorce. And uh, I, I don't think people really realize um, how much that has really hurt us. And, and, and I, that's why I'm thrilled as a country that right now, you know what, marriage is, is, is in the news all over the place. And I'm hoping that part of the outcome will be that we really, you know, uh, that, that we realize, like Hebrews 13.4 says that marriage should be honored by all, that, that we really learn as a country again. How do we honor marriage? What is that going to look like? Here's the absolute irony. You talk about no-fault divorce, and what we're really saying is, well, if it's nobody's fault, then it must be everybody's fault. Right. Uh, we, we all play a role in this. And toward that end, you've come up with some key steps that I think we can go to school on today to help people better understand the important relational moments. And, you know, we know that, that good marriages take time and they take work, but if you begin to break it down into all of the, the incremental elements, a lot of this stuff, quite frankly, is just good common sense if we just take the time enough to examine it and begin putting it into practice in our daily relational lives. Absolutely. You know, I, I, I believe one of the best things that we can do for our marriage is that we've got to learn how to work through and manage conflict. You know, there's a lot that we need to do for marriage, but if we started there, because it's inevitable, it's going to happen. You know, you can't take two people you know, who have different personalities and genders and, and all these things and, and expect that they're not going to bump into each other, that they're not going to, you know, have conflict, they're not going to hurt and, 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 and wound each other. And, and, and the problem that I see is that so many people are, are, you know, are afraid to go through conflict. They avoid it, they sweep it under the rug, they, they, they want to ignore it. And, and the truth is that conflict can be used in our marriage to strengthen our marriage. That's when I get to learn more about my wife, her feelings, her needs. I get to learn more about myself, you know, and, you know, maybe it, it shows something's going on in our marriage that needs to change. I mean, conflict really is a good thing 
if we can learn how to do this in, in, in a healthy way. And, and this is so key, because what you're suggesting then, Dr. Smalley, is that, in, and oftentimes we'll couch this in terms of, well, I can't get along with my wife because, and we, you know, we'll pile a bunch of baggage there, or, or the husband, whatever the case might be, suggesting that there's some sort of a, a personality defect here. But what you're really talking about, and I took note of the fact, you didn't say avoid conflict, you said manage it, right. be able to work through it. So this isn't a, a personality defect, it's a skill deficit. Right, absolutely. Yeah, because I think a lot of times we use the phrase even conflict resolution. And I don't know about you, but I, I, I don't think the goal is to try to figure out some resolution so much as it is the process. Can we develop a process that we can use anytime conflict comes up? So whether we resolve it or not, it's not the issue. I think it's how we do it. And unfortunately, most couples do this in a way that just doesn't work. And one of the biggest things that I see with couples is that we're taught to when we get into an argument, when we get hurt, when there's a problem, that we need to just hang in there and power through it and try to talk it through. And I think that is the biggest and worst advice that you can, you can give a couple. Because one, I don't think it works. When, when you're hurt, when you're wounded, when you're upset, when you're frustrated with your spouse, what I think is going on is you get these buttons of yours, these emotions get pushed, these buttons get pushed, and then your your heart literally kind of closes. You shut down, and then you just start reacting. And, and, and in that mode, there is no way that you're listening. You're not able to hear. You're not able to understand. And that's why when people are in an argument, they need to kind of separate from each other. They need to take a break, a time out from each other. But I'm telling you, Craig, we're not taught to do that. We are taught to try to power through it. Don't let the sun go down in your anger. I mean, it's, it's setting people up for massive failure. And that's really what, what I did in the book was to try to show you, here's a process. Because I, what, what I love is that if you take a break and work on you first, you need to learn how to get your heart back open. Because when people have open hearts, we're able to talk all day long. And this is so key because, you know, I would imagine in, in your role as executive director of the Marriage and Family Formation at Focus on the Family, you're hosting a nationally syndicated radio talk show, you've got patients, you've written books, the whole nine yards. Yeah. That you talk and hear from people all the time, this whole issue of conflict. It sounds to me that this is this is perhaps then less about conflict. At the end, it it's not this major difference between the two of us. In fact, we both both sides of the marriage really want the same thing, don't we? That yeah. is, to 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 the, the right to be heard and the need to hear. Right. We want the, you know people want connection. We want we want to be connected. We want intimacy. You know, we we want to be heard, understood, listened to, like you were talking about. And it's just sadly what happens is that in that moment that we're hurt or in conflict or whatever it is, that that we're, we're, we we are just taught to tr- keep trying to to push through that, and 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 it doesn't work. That's why one of my very favorite verses is in Matthew seven two through five. It says, "Why do you look at the dust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the log in your own eye?" And I love that the scriptures give an order. It says, first, first, get the log out of your, your own eye. Then you can see clearly. And, and how I relate that back to conflict is saying, okay, when, when you're in the middle of an argument, you have to understand that your heart has now closed. You are shut down. And when you are shut down, you are more likely to, to react, to say things, to do things, to retreat you know, in, in a way that, that's not going to help you get to where you want to be. 
Therefore, quit trying to talk this through first. That's part two. Part one is that I need to go off by myself and, and figure out what is going on. I need to let my emotions settle down. I need to, you know, for me, you know, prayer is such a great time to, to just to settle down, to get God's perspective, to say, hey, God, I don't know what's going on, but boy, I'm, I'm mad about something. What, what, what is the button that got pushed? You know, what, how, how do you want me to, to treat my wife? You know, you created her. Help me to understand her. You, you see what I'm saying? I mean, if you work on you first and get your heart back open, see, then you can come back into that conversation and, it, and, and I promise you, it will go so much differently. We fail at communicating through conflict because usually both hearts are closed, and, and you just can't talk through that. And, and so often, though, we also, Dr. Smalley, put so many expectations and demands on the other Oh yeah, that we can't control, and yet what we can control... We do nothing with. So if we're concerned, for example, about the fact that we feel as if we're not being heard, our spouse is not hearing me, and yet we've closed down and we're so focused on what we're not getting that we ourselves are not hearing our spouse either. Right. Well, one is an observation, but the other is something that I can actively change and that I have 100% control over. Totally. I mean, that's again, I can can control me. I can choose how I want to show up. And, and, and that's why I, I say to people, you've, you've got to have a break. you just got to step away. Tell your spouse, you know what, right now I can't think clearly. I'm shut down. I'm going to go, but I'll be back. And, and, and that's, I think that's the, the, what we do to then set up the opportunity to really to work through conflict. If I can get my heart back open... See, now I'm, I, and I tell people, you, you, well, you know how your heart is open is when you want to be a listener, when you are willing to be a listener. I love in the, in the Chinese language, there's a, the, the, the character, the symbol for the verb to listen is made up of three kind of little characters that come together. One stands for eyes, one for ears, and the other for open heart. Isn't that cool? Mm. So to, to listen is with your ears, your eyes, and your open heart. That's the evidence to me that you're ready to enter back into that conversation, that dialogue with your spouse when you are going, I want to I wanna seek to understand you rather than me being understood. Dr. Greg Smalley is with us today. He, of course, Executive Director of Marriage and Family Formation at Focus on the Family. Information, too, on the web at smalleymarriage.com. We'll take a brief time out, come back to more of the conversation as this edition of Lifeline with Dr. Greg Smalley continues here on KFAX. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back to Lifeline. Craig Roberts along with our special guest in this edition of the program. He's Dr. Greg Smalley, Executive Director of Marriage and Family Formation at Focus on the Family. He co-hosts Everyday Relationships and is the president and founder of the Smalley Relationship Center. You can get more information on the web in addition to information about his more than 40 books on the topic at smalleymarriage.com. That's smalleymarriage.com. Dr. Smalley, just before the break, we were talking about the need to to kind of step back from the conflict instead of just trying to pile through, because that piling through process often means just making a lot of noise, 
uh, working a lot, very hard to be heard, but not really hearing. Right. Um, and you made mention, I found it fascinating, to, uh, toward the end of the last segment, about the Chinese character for hearing that has to do with both open eyes, open ears, and an open heart. So I guess it's kind of pulling back, moving into neutral corners, so to speak, and taking account. It's amazing how many arguments will, will suddenly build up and gain momentum, and that train is heading down the track with, with no brakes. When we take a moment to step back and really ask ourselves the question, what is this all about? We either find out that there's a whole lot to do about nothing or that it's connected to some other hurt or pain that happened in our life that that might have just been sort of reactivated by something that our spouse did or said. That's right. That's right. And that's why I, I'm, I'm telling people that, that usually... It's not that we can't communicate, that we've got to learn some new communication method. I'm telling you, the problem of why we have a hard time communicating is when your heart closes, you've got these buttons that are all stirred up, and you're frustrated, you're shut down, you're now in a reaction mode, and that's why the, the, the biggest, most important step in learning how to communicate through conflict is you dealing with you, and you can't do that in the presence of your spouse. You really do need to step back. And, and that's why I always tell people when you're sort of in this timeout spot, what you're trying to do is, one, there, there is power in putting a name to how you're feeling. And again, when we're in the middle of a conflict, we're not even able to think about how am I feeling right now and put a word to that. And, and yet there's research that was done that showed that when in the middle of an argument, when people separate and they, and they think through, okay, what is it that I'm feeling right now? I'm feeling, you know, devalued, disrespected, uh, uh, not good enough, like a failure. I mean, when you put a word to how you're feeling, it, it physiologically calms you down. It, 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 they see on these, these brain scans to where the, the amygdala, which is your fight or flight center, it's kind of the emotional part of your brain, brain is all lit up. When you identify how you feel, the, the brain scan showed that, that all of a sudden that information moves to the prefrontal cortexes, which is how, where you make good decisions. Mm. And so even, even the act of simply going, all right, I'm separated now, I'm on my own. What, what, yeah, what, how do I feel? What is, what's the word that I would use? It just, it has tremendous power. It's that simple. And then I, I think as Christians, what's so cool is that we take then those emotions to the Lord. And we're asking for His truth. What is true about me? Is it true that I'm a failure? Is it true that I'm being disrespected? What's true about my wife? You know, and, and, I, and I love that, that, that so, I think there's so many verses that, that talk about how, 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 you know, God is truth. That He gives us the spirit of truth. The spirit of truth will lead us to all truth. You know, that you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And that's what I, I love. You, when you're then able to do that, you now can come back in it is do what you were born to do, which is you can talk through things with your spouse when you're calmed down and your heart's open. And you know, it's at really the end of that the, simple. And at the end of the day, reopening those lines of communication or sometimes establishing them for the first time, as much as that seems to be uh, particularly intimidating, particularly for us guys that don't do a real good, good job emoting, uh, and we, we, we get very intimidated by this idea in that sense that, well, my wife does all the talking and I do all the listening, things of that sort. You've put together a list of five daily relational moments that I think, Dr. Smalley, really go a long way toward 
teaching us just how easy it can be to communicate at that level so that the needs are getting met by by both sides of the of the couple. Take a moment if you would in the the four three or four minutes that we have left in our conversation just walk us through if you would these five daily important relational moments. Absolutely. You know, I in 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 why I think these moments are so important is that I think you could you could kind of boil everything down to doing this. If you want to have a great marriage, you need to, one, learn how to manage conflict well. But then on the other hand, you've got to learn how to invest, proactively invest in your marriage every day. Marriage doesn't have cruise control. You can't set a setting and think it's going to be okay. So as long as you're managing conflict, investing in your marriage, I mean, I'm telling you, you're going to have a good marriage. And I think one of the best ways to invest in your marriage, instead of adding all kinds of new things to your already busy plate, you know, because, Craig, I, I see that, that so many people are just were so busy, exhausted, worn out, too much going on, overflowing plate, that when I tell people, hey, instead of adding, you know, five more things you need to do now for your marriage, what if we just looked at what's going on every day and take advantage of those, use those everyday moments to strengthen your marriage? For example, every day you're going to leave, leave the house, you know, during the work week. How you choose to leave your home can either strengthen your marriage or take away from your marriage. And, and, and what we know is if you take a moment and just, you know, let's say you, you pray for your spouse, you encourage them, and, and, and give each other a kiss goodbye, that right there, you have strengthened your marriage. That should take no more than 10 seconds. See, you're not adding something else. You will leave the house. How you choose to leave can, can strengthen your marriage. You're going to return home, you know. You, how you come home and re-enter your house in the evening can be used to strengthen your marriage or not. So when I come in, do I beeline for the TV? Do I beeline for the kids? Or do I walk up to my wife and say, hey, great to see you. You know, love you. Give her a kiss. Can't wait to spend time with you tonight. You mean, just something that simple. Again, not add, you don't add anything. You're going to walk into your home. Just walk in, <laughs> into your home in a way that's going to strengthen your marriage. Every, you're going to fall asleep at some point. How you say goodnight to your spouse can strengthen your marriage. Simply taking 30 seconds to pray for your spouse, to thank him or her for something they did throughout the day that you appreciated. Thanks for, hey, picking up my dry cleaning today. That was a big help. I mean, you see what I'm saying? It's just, it's, it's identifying some key moments. You know, during the day as we're gone, you know, can I not send a quick little text message to my wife? I mean, I've got to be gone. Why not just... Send her a text message and, and just tell her, I love you thinking about her. I actually did this the other day and accidentally, I mean, I got into sort of this, this crazy little message to my wife, sent it to my boss <laughs> by mistake. And so he texts me back going, please tell me this was meant for your yeah, wife. I love you thinking about you. Absolutely. <laughs> and I said, no, it's for you. But uh, that made our meeting awkward. But anyway, <laughs> but you see what I'm saying? I mean, there, there are moments. You know, for you, the moment might be um, we're, we're taking our kids to their sporting practice. You know, well, can you use that to, to ask each other questions? You can listen to the radio. You can do a bunch of stuff. You can be on the phone. Or we can ask each other just some, some great questions. Hey, you know, what, you know, how'd today go? How are you feeling? How are things going between you and the kids? You know, what's one thing God's teaching you as a plate? You see, there, there are moments that go on that I think most of us just let these moments go by. And, and, and let's take those back and use them as things that can really strengthen our marriage. And, of course, the irony is it doesn't take a lot of time. It doesn't take a very little minim, minim, minimal amount of effort. 
It's simply giving a greater sense of importance to our spouse, to a sense of honoring them and valuing them. What's the old saying? It's, you know, it's the little things in life that count. Right. And it would be amazing to see how far. And I would just, I want to challenge both the ladies and the men in the audience. Try it. Oh, you don't understand how difficult things are in my marriage right now. Purpose in your heart today to start tomorrow. When you get up in the morning, compliment your spouse. Honey, I'm glad that uh, you're my spouse. I hope you have a great day. Um, Speak words of encouragement into their life as, you know, your husband is going off and you know he's got the big meeting today. Uh, Say some words of encouragement. Stop at the door for a minute, guys, before you're leaving and saying, Honey, I know it takes a lot of time and energy to to maintain this household. I know you've got a big agenda today. You've got to take the kids to soccer practice and you've got a doctor's appointment. You've got to go shopping and all these things. I just want to let you know I value you and I recognize and appreciate the hard work that you do in creating such a loving home for us. Wow, how far that will go. And then, as Dr. Smalley points out, look, even the guys, we got time to check the box scores in the middle of the day. Send a quick text. Try not to send it to your boss, though. <laughs> and, let, and let your spouse know, thinking of you, babe, I hope you're having a great day. Can't wait to see you tonight. When you arrive back home, pause for a moment. You realize that your spouse, if she's been home all day, uh, and maybe young kids in your family, she's been really deprived of any adult communication. She's, she's eager to connect with you. You, on the other hand, you've been out in the working world all day long. You don't want another conversation. Find a moment, if you can, between the two of you to just acknowledge each other and each other's needs for a moment. And then finally, as you end the day, uh, to show a sense of gratitude and appreciation, a moment in prayer together. And if you implement these steps, I think you'll see an amazing turnabout in your marriage relationship. Dr. Greg Smalley, Executive Director of Marriage and Family Formation at Focus on the Family. More information, too, on the web at his website, smalleymarriage.com. And Dr. Smalley, thanks so much for the time today. Oh, Craig, my pleasure. Thanks for all that you're doing to encourage marriage. You bet. Keep up the good work on your end as well. There's Dr. Greg Smalley from Focus on the Family. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of Lifeline. Thanks so much for being with us. And if there was anything you heard on today's show that you'd like to hear again or share with a friend, grab a copy of the Lifeline podcast. Simply log on to kfax.com. That's kfax.com for the Lifeline podcast. Our producer is Wanda Sanchez. I'm Craig Roberts. Till next time around, remember, just don't keep the faith. Get out there and share it and make it a great evening. So long. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Communications, all rights reserved.